after one Eastern time. That's my fault. Sorry, but Swizzles here with Dan Nathan. I'm back from Washington, D.C. All knotted up because I'm headed into CNBC's Fast Money Market Call. Dan, we're in December. Zed is the letter, as you know. This brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. Obviously, we always thank FactSet for their data, their charts, and their involvement with everything we do. How are you? How have you been? Missed do- you were missed guy. There was plenty of people in the comments who really Stop it. wanted to see your knotted up self on our fine market call program. Um, but we did it. You know, Liz and I had a nice discussion, uh, you know, the who, last who week. Was that? LY from SoFi, right. you know yeah. her. Why? And then Carter yesterday was just en fuego. As they say, we were talking about some bearish to bullish reversals and you would have liked this is like it's say even if you have like a macro outlook that's one way you know what i mean like so he's bearish we're bearish he's still finding what he thinks are opportunities to start working into some longs that are showing some good relative strength and we went through a bunch of charts and some sector etfs on that front it was very well received i have no doubt i i know that you you know you're in more than better hands than when i joined no, I'm, you know what guys too, too much tomfoolery with me i will say though um <laughs> <laughs> I went to bed last night. I fell asleep. I didn't go to bed. I fell asleep w- thanking my Lord that the that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were losing in a in a very meaningful fashion late because I had shorted Tampa Bay in this pool we're in, only to find out that miraculously Tom yeah. Brady led them to victory. So that's why you have to stay up for these things. I mean, he, he scored two touchdowns. They were down 16-2-3 with three minutes left, and he scored two touchdowns, I not know. an onside kick, nothing. I mean, pretty remarkable here. Yeah. You know what's also pretty remarkable? The market. We're at touch two and where it's 500 guy, Adami. It literally stopped. And Carter put the note out on worth charting last week to the penny Mm -hmm. of that downtrend. It did get through this. So here's the S&P futures. It did get through that 200 day moving average briefly. had two closes above it. Okay. But here we are now. We're contending with that uptrend here. What is the sort of headline that could bust, let's say, the other way, to bust us out and keep going higher. Because right now, you would think all of this stuff about COVID potentially, um, or, or China potentially uh, easing zero COVID, that that would have been enough because Chinese equities keep rallying, but yeah. ours do not. I think the answer to that question is, you know, further examples that the zero COVID policy in China is going by the wayside. And you actually see meaningful change there. I think that's one. Russia, Ukraine, uh, if there's some sort of detente type of thing, that's another one. Um, you know, believe it or not, maybe the results of this midterm or the final election here yeah. in Georgia. I mean, I don't know if people are waiting on that for some reason. Uh, people scoff at seasonality. I do as well. But there's obviously we saw a huge rally last December. You know, maybe something kicks in there. There are a number of things, I guess, and a CPI number that comes in cooler would obviously help the market. Those are all things that could absolutely help and get us through this downtrend line. With that said, to your point, we have traded up to this line a number of times. We've traded through the 200-day moving average a few times along the way as well, only to be rebuffed, and here we are. So I would submit that this thing has worked out exactly how we thought. I'm surprised at the duration of this rally. I didn't think we'd last into December, but I mean, here we are. So I, I think this pennant formation is important. And I think now you let price be your guide. I think we're going to break down to the downside. I think if we close below this trend line, we take a run at 34.90. Um, if I'm wrong, we'll talk about it, I'm sure. 
I don't think you're going to be wrong. And I'll tell you this, our friend Doug Cass over at Seabreeze Capital, he actually writes for Real Money. And he's had a great um, call on the bank stocks called My BS Out when I was looking to play for a breakout, just a technical breakout. He was kind of reminding me of some of the fundamentals. And I do think it's interesting. And he highlights to me just in a text now his note from this morning. I mean, we were talking about it. We talked about it yesterday in the market call guy. I mean, the banks were acting peculiarly bad. Okay. And now we have this Goldman Sachs financial service. <laughs> Services conference. And I think what's interesting is Bank of America is down nearly 5% today. And CEO uh, Moynihan is talking about just some of the weakening consumer yeah. trends, whether it be lending. And if you look at the BAC chart, I think our friend Stephen, uh, he got a little jiggy with this one. He called it bank shot, BAC yeah. oh, shot here. Did, that was racist. But that is that is a massive two day move here. We were talking about it yesterday. Uh, our friend Doug had been flagging it. The follow through to today, um, and again, I mean, it just feels like um, you know this is the sort of group that was leading to the downside for the first half of this year, and now that they had that huge move from Q3 earnings up until where they just got, and they kind of overshot a little bit, but to come down this quickly is kind of concerning for the broad market. July, October lows are in play. Uh, as people will say, there's really no such thing as triple tops or bottoms. You know, my instincts suggest we're probably going to take that out. You still have a sloping moving average to the downside. Bank of America, you know, probably at the top of the list in terms of being correlated to the consumer. And, you know, Brian Moynihan can talk about all he wants a few months ago about, it, I guess, in storms in North Carolina, the, the, yeah. you don't see him or it was rebuffing something to Jamie Dimon. It said, the reality is, unless you're sleeping under a rock, I mean, it's pretty clear that things are slowing down. So it makes sense. And this movement, again, this movement, Bank of America, I mean, this has not been a particularly great company now for a number of years. Yeah, you've had bounces along the way, but there have been much better places to be. And when you're as reliant, in my opinion, on the consumer as they are, you have to you have to believe there are going to be some headwinds there. The, the only thing that's going to work to their advantage at a certain point is going to be valuation in the, in the uh, context of price to book. But we're not there yet, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at the NASDAQ futures here. Thanks, Sean, one, by the way. Rafe is it's pretty good, right? Yeah. He's he's okay, that kid. Despite that sophomore slump he had in the PLL, we're working on it. He's working on his right hand a little bit, guy. As in the office. A, yeah. a lot of wall ball there. All right. Let's look at the NASDAQ futures here because we just talked about how the SP, you know, got above its 200 day for the first time in a while. The NASDAQ didn't even get back to that downtrend guy. And you look at this, you look at the performance of the NASDAQ, it's down, you know, 28, 29% of the year. You know, that's nearly 2x of what the S&P is down. It's 3x of what the Dow Jones industrial average. I hope your ears were ringing yesterday. Yeah, we, I, you we know, were making a little was, fun yeah, of you, just yeah, so you know. No but, but whatever. Well, um, talk to me about the NASDAQ here. You know, we drew that line that goes back to that kind of low in the spring and this, the support line. It doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. We got below there um, on two instances this fall here. But the NASDAQ is really weak. And, and just talk to me, like, what do you think the reasons for that on a relative basis, the S&P? Well, it's it really comes down to five or six different names. I mean, that is obviously the reason that Facebook's giving it up a little bit here. Google, Amazon, without question, even Apple starting to show some relative weakness in, in the context of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. So Microsoft throw that in as well. This is what I find really interesting here, though, about the Nasdaq. Again, this is something that Carter's talked about, and I know you and I have as well. The knee-jerk reaction for 10-year yields going lower was going to be that the market was going to rally, which it did, and probably see some outperformance from some of these high-growth, high-valuation tech names. To a certain extent, you did. And then we said, but at a certain point, 
The market will figure out that lower rates are, in fact, not bullish. That's the point we have found ourselves at now. So 10-year yields coming down, approaching 3.5%. The market realizing lower rates are on the back of slower growth. And although lower rates should be supportive of these valuations, the market's not buying it right now. So I think that's what's going on. To your point about it not reaffirming, we didn't trade up that trend line. Yeah, that's not a particularly good thing. And I'd look at this again with the moving average, it continues to slope lower with the downtrend line that's well intact with those recent lows in the crosshairs. And I do think it's a matter of time before we get there. And the leader to the downside, unfortunately, and people can say you're a hater, I'm not, is probably going to be Apple. Oh, by the way, you throw a Tesla in there as well, which is now uh, approaching that 175 level. And then you see what's going on. Yeah. You know, like maybe Stephen can pull up a five-year chart of the Tesla. We were just talking about this on our fast money call. I mean, I, I've said this repeatedly for, for weeks now. This is one of the worst looking charts in the entire him, stock man. market. You don't even need to draw the lines. I mean, go back to that kind of, you know, that 140 level is where in November 2020, when the S&P announced that the stock was going to be added to the 500 index and the stock doubled over the next couple of months into the ad. And I really think psychologically that was would be a level where you would round trip to. And I also think there's there's risk to $100. And the story over the weekend, Guy, that the Shanghai factory, and mm-hmm. you know this was in Bloomberg, and the company, you know they tried to rebuff it a little bit, but they're cutting production by 20%. I mean, that would be absolutely devastating for this company because you have to think that what's going on in Giga Berlin, that's their factory in Europe, that demand is really weak there. And here's the last point. We're going to talk about crude in a second. The lower crude goes, despite all of these wor- – supposed tailwinds for the price of crude oil is not good for an electric vehicle maker like Tesla when the only car they make or the only cars they make are electric. Yeah, I think that's a great point. We don't talk about that nearly enough. The fact that crude going lower obviously becomes it's certainly not a it's not, certainly not a tailwind for electric car makers. And at a certain point it becomes a headwind when people no longer care about filling their 2002 Tahoes up with you know, three two dollar and eighty cents. Which is gas, what you do. Just which just is what I do. By the way, by the way, did you just say Giga Berlin? Giga Berlin. They call it the Giga Factory. No, you know that would be a great bar, like down where you live. If you if we open or a place it would called be like Giga, a, Ber- a great, Giga like punk, Berlin, punk rock band in in Berlin. You know what I mean? Like that would be kind of. I'm cool just saying. Too. My son was just in Berlin with seven friends. They rented an Airbnb. They had four bunk beds. Can you imagine? I mean, I I, I cannot imagine. All anyway, right, speaking, back to you. Speaking of bunking up, let's look at the. I don't even know what that means. The let's, VIX. Let's, let's look at the VIX here because just while you were away yesterday, guy, traded below twenty. This guy put on. I, I don't trade options in the VIX too frequently here, but I was looking out a couple of weeks, December expiration. I'm saying to myself, we got this Fed meeting, we have the debt ce- ceiling limit, um, we got a stock market that's, to, in my opinion, overshot, a bit complacent here. Twenty five thirty call uh, spread. I, I, oh, you watched? I no, the, I didn't. Yeah. Is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah, at, no, I'm just look, in your head. I mean, that makes sense. You, you bought the 25s, you sold the 30s. So, but, but here's job. the deal. So, I paid 45 cents, guy. And if you look at where that converging 250 day are, it's about 26. <clears> and think about that. I know this sounds crazy. So, if I paid 45 cents for that $5 wide call spread that breaks even up 25%, if it were to get back to 26, okay, that means that the SP is down another three or 4% or something like that. I basically double my money. Now, that doesn't sound like a great risk reward, right? To have that, but we know how quickly the VIX can move. If the SP is down, let's say 2% tomorrow, you're going to have a VIX up maybe five, six, seven percent. You know, you put together a string of those things. So I just like the risk reward of this. I know it got below that uptrend that had been in place and been support. Thoughts on trading the VIX guy? 
Well, if you're going to trade it, that's the way you do it vis-a-vis that. Or you trade it on the sort of the ways that we've been talking about. You don't trade the instrument, but you trade yeah. the market around it. And I think we've pointed this out a number of times. Every time the VIX has gotten sort of north of 34, and if you look at it over the duration of this chart specifically, that's been a tremendous opportunity to sort of close your eyes and buy stocks or buy the broader market, and it's worked out really well. Conversely, every time it's traded down to this 20, 20 and a half level, um, painful as it might sound, and, and as great as the market typically looks into it, that's been your opportunity to sell stocks. And I think that's exactly what you're seeing here. So you can do it your way, which I think makes a lot of sense, or you can use this sort of as a mirror barometer into the broader market. And again, I would submit a VIX at these levels is not a good thing. It sort of augurs itself in the broader market. And I think that's what we're, we've seen now the last couple of sessions. And unfortunately, I think that's what we're going to continue to see. All right, so so pretty really, succinct answer, by the way. That was a great answer. Let's look at the ten-year U.S. Treasury yield. We talk about it every. Hold day. on a second. Who's yeah. been first of all? Who's been talking about three and a half percent of ten-year? You, correct. Who has and, been and, talking about the potential for twos tens to go to a one percent inversion in the form of three and a half, four and a half? You swizzle. You. You freaking, I mean, we are anyway, sorry, please. Well, it's funny. So this is a really important point. And and the mistake that I made in my trade playing for three and a half percent guy was playing it through this GOVT. Okay. Which is just a mixture of different, um, you know, treasuries across the the curve. And you were playing it with the 20 year with the TLT. Okay. That's the iShares 20 year ETF. And so here we are, let's just look at the 10 year U S treasury yield. You know, Carter made the point yesterday that that's just one point, three and a half percent psychologically fine. It was the high from earlier this year. We had that like that pullback from three and a half down to two seven. Then we had that huge ramp, that really steep uptrend. Here we are. We're back at that three and a half level. Okay. So is it important support? Maybe not really. Look at that rising 200 day moving average. I mean, maybe that's the the important point. Thoughts here on that chart? Because it doesn't feel like it wants to bounce at this three and a half level. No, it doesn't at all. It doesn't at all. And this is has again. I want to reiterate: this really has nothing to do with what the Fed is doing at all. The Fed controls the front end of the curve; they have no control over the rest of it. And I think that's what we're seeing. The back end, the ten year, is talking about where the 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 future of the economy, the expectations yeah. for the economy. So as ten year continues to go lower, and correctly so. It's going lower because people think there's a slowdown. We're in the wake of one, and we're probably going to be in one for quite some time. That's why 10-year yields are going lower. It's got nothing to do with inflation concerns. Again, my opinion, it has everything to do with growth. So if you don't think there's going to be robust growth, and, and I think we are both in that camp, then this 10-year yield is going lower. The question is, and I think what people have to sort of come to grips with, what does it mean for the inversion? What does the inversion mean? And how steep can we go in terms of the inversion? And again, I just mentioned before, 1% to me seems in line. Three and a half, four and a half, which seemed ridiculous you know, a couple months ago, is actually sort of in play right now. I mean, I think the two years, 438 last I looked, and we're 358 or something here. Yeah. So you, know, you, get a couple, you get a couple of um, in, input points, right? A couple of sort of uh, numbers that come out, and we're probably right at those levels. 
Yeah. Just, just real quickly on the technical levels guy though. So the hundred day moving average, um, the 10 year caught a little support there two trading days ago. It's basically three and a half. And if you look lower, that rising 200 day is 306. I've said this, I think that, you know, yields of top for the cycle, I could see us closing the year just around 3% or so, which brings us to the TLT, the iShares 20 year, um, you know, treasury bond ETF here. So you were saying, and I, and I clocked this, I, I took a note, this was around $92. Well, like you, you thought there was an unusually um, good opportunity to get long this thing for a whole host of reasons. You were largely predicating on your view for growth and the realization by market participants that's going to be less than expected. Um, but also, you know, again, from the technicals, I mean, look at that upper left, bottom right. And just, you know, when the TLT was 154 a year ago, the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield guy was 1.5%. Just mm-hmm. think about that, right? So here we are. We busted <laughs> through that down trend you see that 200 day up there at 114 and you know does that correspond with that kind of cluster of yeah. resistance that we have maybe back in august or so is that where you take this trade off that's that's exactly right so what does that put us at like 118 to 120 and that's sort of what i've been talking about and it probably to a certain extent lines up with the moving average although we'll probably overshoot that um so yeah i think that's exactly right and then we'll have a conversation. Then we're going to have to talk about what does it all mean and what's going on. You know, the question really is, what's happening with the equity market if, in fact, we start blowing through levels on the downside in terms of yields? Or is the market going to like that? Is the Nasdaq going to bounce on that? Or are they going to realize what's really going on here quickly? Um, and if we can pull this up, Geary, who, by the way, was the senator in Godfather Two, Senator Geary. Said, yeah, of course. What a tool he was, by the way. Um, he was, recall, listen, he was just not particularly, he doesn't like your people. And no, let's be very no, clear. He made no bones about it. He made no bones no, about it. He doesn't. And in that closed door meeting, he basically said as much and he screwed up the Corleone family name a number of times. And without, he was, listen, you saw what happened to him. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah, it didn't anyway, Geary says, and I want to sort of drill down on this for a second. Um, he said the VIX chart, is is bullish for stocks. Okay, so I want to just sort of emphasize what I said before. If I were to say to you the VIX is 34 right now, is that bullish or bearish for stocks? And we would get to 34 in a bearish scenario. But if it gets to 34, it would be bullish for stocks. The same way that we've gotten to 20 in the VIX has been under a market rally. But now at 20, it's bearish for stocks. I don't want it to be, you know, counterintuitive here or be opaque, uh, but that's the way I look at it, Dan. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense to me. And just just to be clear, you know, um, if, if we were to kind of start rallying again, I mean, this VIX is going back and it's going to be a teenager, you know, very quickly. And so, again, you know, to me, that would just speak to more complacency. And just, you know, I, I'm getting ready to roll a bunch of stuff. I, I see some of the questions about some of the trade ideas that I've articulated here. You know, I had the December 30th XLE 90, mm-hmm. um, 75 put spread on. When you get this stock or this ETF is now near 80 85, you think about rolling. You think about rolling down. I might roll down to the 8580 in December, make it a bit shorter dated than that December 30. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to take some profits off and I'm trying to kind of tighten up what I'm risking from here on out, especially as we start to get to some of those kind of technical levels. Um, you know, so that's just kind of the way I like to trade options when the things mm-hmm. go my way. And the flip side of this, in every tra- options trade that we detail on this program, we always talk about if it's long premium directional, I have I like to have a stop if it goes against me. And I usually use a mental stop about 50% of the premium that I spent. But I will be rolling down XLE. I will be rolling down USO. I will be rolling 
out this yield trade in the GOVT guy, I might look for a back and fill in your TLT. And that might be how I play it um, into the new year. And I like the VIX trade where I have it. All right. Let's just really quickly, when we get to this Fed meeting, okay, it's like the week after next guy, or it's actually next week. Jesus. Next week, um, 13th, December. 14th, what day? Yeah, the 13th, 14th. You see the CME Fed watch tool. It's pricing in basically a very high probability of 50 basis points for all intents and purposes. Fed Chair Powell confirmed that. The Fed whisperer over there at the WSJ, Nick Timorous, he basically had a note or a post out this morning on the Wall Street Journal suggesting, but let's, we got to go all the way to February. We got a month and a half, guy, February 1. And if you look at that, you know, the CME Fed watch tool is saying about a 40% probability that we see. 50 basis points um in uh in uh in february actually it's lower it's it's it's, lower. it's it's basically yeah it's lower than that it's it's leaning towards 25 and i guess that's the thing after the december meeting that investors are going to be like destroying themselves about 25 or 50 in feb right mm-hmm. that's the, i mean that well yes it's also the duration with which they stick around at these levels right that's the thing that got the market spooked a couple weeks ago yeah i think back in october is when they talked about how long rates need to remain elevated. So that's the other sort of, you know, I think everybody's so focused on, you know, when are they going to slow down, but it's not so much when are they going to slow down? It's how long is this duration going to last? I think that's what people are trying to come to grips with. Earlier this year, there was a thought that we'd see rate cuts at the end of next year, or the actually early second half of next year. I I don't necessarily know that's in the cards right now, but to your point, I think 50 is a foregone conclusion. Uh, And then they could stop or just go 25 from there and then stop. So we'll see. But the problem is everybody says it's baked into the market. The language is not. And clearly the duration, I don't think, is either, Dan. Yeah, but like so baked into the S&P, it's down 17%. Think about this. I mean, think about how many stocks. And again, this is CME day today on Market Call. We like to talk the macro. We like to look at the futures. But man, oh, man, you know, when we talk about these stocks, and I'm looking at my board as far as tech stocks are concerned. Red. I I see dozens of stocks down 50-plus percent. I see dozens down, you know, 70-plus percent. I mean, it's been absolute devastation. So 17% for the broad averages goes back to saying – you know, what you mentioned 15 minutes ago, it's five, six, seven stocks. And man, oh man, it feels like the fundamentals of the Apple and the Tesla, they're starting to get worse. And if you think of all the major names that all guided down, you know, for the current quarter, it's not a one quarter thing, especially with your point about the duration in which rates stay high. If that weakens the economy dramatically, I mean, that's the thing that ultimately causes the Fed to pivot from, uh, you know, really tight monetary policy. Let's We can be clear. Inflation is peak, guy. If you just look at what Agreed. rates have done, if you look Absolutely. at what commodities have done, if you look at what housing's done, if you look at what the, it's peaked. Okay. So now it's like living with elevated levels of that in a slow growth environment, not good for equity valuations. That's exactly right. And that 9.1% print, which in July, I think, I don't remember exactly, doesn't matter. We, yeah. we talked about it then. We said this will probably be the high tick in terms of absolute rate. But we also said, and, and I remember saying it a number of times, although things have peaked, there are the two other words that begin with P-E, pesky and persistent, yes. and that's going to be inflation. A lot of people picked up on that, not necessarily for me, but they just realized that, yeah, we probably peaked, but it's going to stick around a lot longer than people realize. So that's the problem. And in a slowing growth environment, you know, marginally high inflation is not a good thing, and yeah. stubborn inflation is not a good thing. 
And I do think the CPI number is really interesting. Real quick, Dan, Jim asks, if you think the S&P is going to 3,200, when do you add puts? I mean, we can't speak to when it's right for you, but I will tell you, to Dan's earlier point, with volatility coming in like it has, those puts are probably a lot cheaper today than they were even just a few weeks ago, Dan. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And and, I mean, listen, the problem that you have with puts over the next month is that there's a whole host of days that are going to be really quiet, right? And then then vacation days. So listen, you know, Carter just put out a chart, you know, on the S&P 500. Man, oh man, we are right on that uptrend from the October 13, 14 lows, that big reversal day. And so the next stop would be kind of 3,800. There's a gap to be filled um, you know, just below that guy on, I'm going to just give you guys the dates. I'm looking at my fact set machine here on uh, 11, nine. Okay. The S and P closed at 3748. So 3750 and it gapped up and it just kept on going. You remember that huge day? Yeah. Um, I think it was in around the election. I mean, that would be the gap fill. So the question is, are you playing for the S and P for 130 points, it's a, it's a bit of a press here. You know what I mean? So I think you probably wait for some Fugazi headline that has the market up above 4,000 again, and then you kind of lay into it. But again, you know, to Guy's point is like risk what you're willing to lose when you're making long premium directional bets, especially in an index, because nobody knows. All right, Guy, let's talk about this crude oil here, because this is one that really speaks to, you know, like it should be trading better given the headlines. hundred percent agree with given, you. You know, yeah. it, it should be trading better. I drew that kind of support level. It's taking us back to the 52 week lows in December. Um, you know, at that point, you know, we had just come off of that kind of sharp decrease after the, uh, the administration, the Biden administration tapped the SPR and said they were going to do that here, but it acts badly. It speaks to what you think about growth going forward here. And so I don't know. I don't think it's a great press here. I have that USO short on. I'm going to take it off when it gets into kind of that like lower end of the band. But if you back it out, the five-year chart guide, look at this thing here, man. Is that a key sort of level? So just give us your thoughts here because you've had some good calls when it goes up. You know, sometimes right now, it just seems like everybody wants this thing to go higher. But dude, Gas at the pump is where it was a year ago. Yeah, right it's now, it's know? cheaper than it was. Listen, it's it's where it was before the invasion. I mean, so yeah, it's really they've it's all ratcheted right down. We're seeing the products to your point, not only gas but heating oil come in as well. Nat gas obviously has come in a considerable amount. You've been spot on with this one, and this is one that I've whiffed on for sure. I thought crude, you know, given the backdrop that we're seeing in terms of geopolitical and other things would be, again, significantly higher. We're not. What's held in has been the equities, but those are starting to roll over as well. And XLE is a name that, you know, you put a trade on as well. That 92 and a half, 93 level, that high from June and then the recent high, that's a pretty textbook double top. And now you see us sort of rolling over. Thanks for bringing that chart up. 85, I think, right now. And it certainly seems to be headed to the moving average, if not that uptrend line. So it's hard to remain, you know, now I'm starting to get a little dogmatic. You know, it's hard to remain bullish under these circumstances because the prices are clearly telling you something right now. Yeah. And I'll just say that that $80 level, that's the rising 200 day. That's my target right now. I'll be rolling this to the 85, 80, taking some of that profit off the table and then basically risking the profit for that trade down to 80. So um, that's how I'm playing that. But again, I don't love to press things. And when things get, you know, to the opposite side of the midpoint of, let's say, a spread that I have on, I like to think about 
taking profits are rolling. Um, let's look at the U.S. dollar here. You and I have also been bearish of it. I got out of that trade in the UUP. Um, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, I thought it was getting a bit oversold. I thought it was going to bounce off that 200. It really hasn't. And it's contending with that really sharp downtrend guy. It's through the 200. I know this is technical, but you know when people think about currency trading, they think about technicals. They mm-hmm. use them a whole heck of a lot. Where do you think the dollar bottoms out? And what would be the condition wow. for it to rally again? This is where it should stop. I mean, this is where we should find support. And the conditions with which it rallies is a hot CPI number. So if you, to answer that question, if CPI comes in hotter than expected, it puts the Fed back on the front burner in terms of what they need to do, which, again, should be supportive of the dollar. That's if you're long the dollar here, that's what you're betting on is a hot CPI number, in my opinion, or hot rhetoric out of the Fed in terms of you know their job not being over. That's what you're preying on. You get a weak CPI number um, and you get a potentially dovish statement or dovish whatever on the back of it, the dollar is going to continue to go lower. So I think it's that this binary is that over the next week or so, Dan. Yeah. All right. Let's just quickly look at gold. Um, it's in a sharp oh. uptrend. No, listen, dude. I mean, like, you know, we're, we're at the 200 day. It's held that uptrend. It's getting to that kind of level from back in August. And, um, you know, there's a whole host of things that I think you think could happen on the macro front that could cause gold to kind of get back on its horse. And so just like, you know, from a technical standpoint, you probably say, OK, keep a close eye on that uptrend because you yeah. break that we could be headed back here but you know is, is it something that interests you right now are there enough other instruments that we're talking about right now that can kind of express your views from a macro standpoint that just do better than gold yes is the answer to that question my problem of course is i traded it for 15 years so i have an affinity just to sort of talking about it and looking at it not from either bullish or bearish just because i'm fascinated by it but we stopped at levels we last saw in august on the upside we seemingly have failed the fact that we held those little lows down there again in September and I want to say late October was interesting, but it can't get out of its own way. The bullish bullish scenario is which is going on right now. Central banks are buying gold. The Chinese have been selling treasuries and buying gold. Look it up on your Google machine. It's out there. It just hasn't manifested itself in the price. So I guess the bullish scenario is another leg lower in Bitcoin, You know, another shoe drops in that arena, and maybe you'll see a flight to gold uh, vis-a-vis the crypto people. But just it's just such a pain in the rear end. Silver showed strength over the last week, but that's sort of in no man's land. It's just really hard to continue to remain bullish and get the match price action that we've been seeing. Yeah. All right. Last one. Match, before, by the way, is a great yeah. I, saw, I see what you did there. Last one before we get out of here. And guy, before you start rolling it down, when we're done with this one, I have an announcement to make on something for some of our listeners here. So oh, I like um, definitely give me a second here. Um, but let's talk about Bitcoin. We have a the announcement. Part- by the way, I'm not going to be playing tight end for the Giants in in no, Philadelphia this week. You will. You will not be. Um, you're you're seven four and one Giants. That that one on the end of that record does that just it just burns you up a little I, bit? Yeah, it should. I don't understand the NFL. I mean, play until somebody effing scores. Okay. But I understand yeah. the player. I, I get it. Anyway, sorry. I, I, I got you. Jess dog. says um, they need you. You're right, Jess. They do. Can I tell you something? I'm a tough son of a bitch. I will go <laughs> over the middle. And the thing about football, I'm sorry, Dan, you, you're going to get hit, <laughs> hit either way. You're going to get hit whether you catch the ball or drop the ball. So you might as well catch the ball. Back to you. 
that that's that's a matter of fact my dad growing up who played you know football in the 50s and the 60s he used to use this expression or he's probably reiterating one of his coaches if you can touch it catch it that's right, right guy if you can that's a hundred percent if you can get a hand on it there's no excuse not to catch the friggin' thing that i'm not one of these with guys me. with the gloves you know everybody's wearing gloves and all that no Anyway, sorry. Um, I don't even know how we got right, la- oh, Lastly, real quickly, Bitcoin here. Um, you know, it's below that 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 support le- level that had been, you know, 20,000, 19,000 had been a level. It's below that. I know that you've said you're surprised, and Danny Moses said this on, on the tape last week, that it's actually held up so well when you consider the amount of fraud in and around this uh, FTX situation and some of these other things. And, you know, you back it out. These are the Bitcoin futures, and they were listed by the CME back in the height of December 2017 of that retail craze, you know, the ICO stuff, that 20,000 is is psychologically Mm -hmm. important. But guy, I I just can't think of a scenario where it's it's gonna blow through there and and make a run towards that 200 day moving average. It really feels like it has to go lower before it can go higher. I'll tell you the scenario is if credit, if the US credit market starts to show some cracks in the form of LQD or HYG, like if you start to see credit concerns, you might see something happen in Bitcoin to the upside. If the Fed, for whatever reason, magically wakes up one day and becomes extraordinarily dovish, that's a scenario. Short of that, um, has it traded well? Well, it hasn't bounced at all. I mean, it's been sideways now for a long time. And I say this all the time, Dan, the market doesn't give you this long a duration to buy what would be yeah. a low, which almost by defini- definition means we have another leg to the downside. Yeah, fair. I mean, I, I just don't see any fundamentals lining yeah. up for it. I think the what's your special? I love special announcements. Yeah, no, the regulatory stuff that's coming will probably put pressure oh. on the underlying. All right, so so here, real quickly, and maybe Jacob can put this up. This Sam tweet Huff is on would hit you too. I, he's Jay just. I'm sorry, Dan. Hold on one second. Somebody yeah. just said Sam Huff would hit you until you were out cold. That's true. Sam Huff, of called, of course, played middle linebacker for the Giants. Finished his career in Washington. <laughs> Uh, I think he passed away within the last two years. Great linebacker. Sorry, back to you, Dan. No worries. All right, listen, we're going to link to this um, <coughs> on Twitter, but you can find it at, on the tape pod. You can find it at, at Market Call. Um, we are doing a special live podcast on December 16th at the NASDAQ in Times Square. So if you are one of our viewers, one of our listeners, and you are in the New York metropolitan area and you want to go to this, we are doing it with Josh Brown and Michael Batnick. They have the Compound podcast, which we are big fans of. Um, they've been on our pods. We've been on theirs. We're going to do this together with Danny Moses. It's going to be live. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a little drinks thing afterwards. Guy Dami will be there. He'll bring his headshots. So all the proceeds of these tickets, and they are limited. We probably have about 30 left, are going to No Kid Hungry. Our sponsors are going to be giving to it. We are going to be giving to it. We're going to try to raise a lot of money for No Kid Hungry. So please, if you're in the New York metropolitan area and you like listening to us or watching us, please come out and see a live show for a great cause. Is TRB be going to be there as well the the reform broker downtown josh brown will be there michael batnick will be there it will be live and it will be excellent (laughs) so we they call that a collaboration right we probably collab and demo the danny moses who has often been on our market calls and is our he's the brains behind the on the tape podcast when you say so guy i listen without danny moses you know it's it's he's our big toe he's our sergeant hulka I hope he's listening right now. He's a lot better looking than both a big toe and Sergeant Hulka. 
All right. By the way, well, you I hear that? that I, I think that does it. I mean, I think if if there was a proper producer, um, like like literally on set with us, and we're not on set here, they'd be like, you know, rap like, enough. Yeah, they'd be like, rap. no. Well, look, you know, the Rangers showed some fortitude last night. Down heading into favors. the third against the lowly St. Louis Blues, they won six oh. four. Maybe that gets us, you know, gets us off the schneid that we've been feeling. A lot of Yankee fans worried about Aaron Judge re-signing in New York. I am as well, but hey. Yankees set that up for themselves. Good for the Mets for getting Verlander. I mean, they completely overpaid him, and the three-year option is just a little ridiculous at 40 years old. But, hey, they're trying to win it now. Stevie Cohen, I know you're watching. Good for you. You still need to address your outfield, which sucks. But that's it for today's market call. Dan Nathan, Guy Adami, thank you, CME Group, where risk in fact meets, op- risk in fact meets opportunity. And I want to thank uh, FactSet because they give us all the charts, all the data, all those things. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday at 1 p.m. with Carter Braxton Worth. Hasta mañana. See you tomorrow.